2 Timothy chapter number 4 again tonight, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and I'm going to read a couple of verses of scripture uh, from 2 Timothy 4, and then we'll look at the beginning of 2 Timothy as well. Uh, but of course, we are in this series on ministry companions, and uh, we have uh, this uh, lesson tonight, and uh, there's three uh, more lessons uh, after this one. Uh, but we'll uh, see what the Lord has for us this evening. Uh, I'm going to tonight, the companion is Timothy. Uh, of course, who the letter uh, is written to, the book of Second Timothy is written to. And I could have done him at the beginning, but I decided to do him closer to the end. Uh, but we'll look at Timothy as the character tonight. And so, of course, we know in Second Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul is coming to the end of his life. Uh, he is in prison. This is the last letter he's going to write. And uh, we've been looking at the significance of all of the individuals who served with him in ministry. And I've tried to remind us throughout the weeks, and I'll remind us again this evening, that uh, it's important for us to understand and realize we're all in ministry together. Uh, it doesn't just uh, hinge on the pastor. Uh, it, it doesn't just hinge on the people. It's all of us together serving together. Uh, if we understand that, then we understand there is no one that's insignificant in ministry. Uh, everyone is significant in ministry, and I hope through these lessons uh, we have looked and seen that there are some uh, who were in the shadows, there were some who are not well-known Bible characters, but yet they played a significant role in the ministry of Paul, thus playing a significant role in the, the founding of churches, the furtherance of the gospel. And so uh, that's a mindset for all of us to take is, well, I want to have a part in propagating the gospel. I want to have a part in the furtherance of the gospel. And uh, we'll look at certainly one uh, tonight who had a part. And so as Paul comes to the end of his life, of course, we know those well-known verses, verse 6, for I'm not ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, verse 7. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Uh, now notice verse 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Paul says, get here as fast as you can. Uh, do what you have to do to get here quickly. Because uh, Paul understood the time was at hand. Uh, then we see in verse number 21, if you want to look uh, down to the end of the chapter, in verse number 21, uh, Paul writes, Do thy diligence to come before winter. Uh, he first says, uh, get here, do what you got to do to get here as quick as possible. Then he reiterates that, and he says, get here before winter. You say, now, why was that important? Well, certainly there was no time to waste. But if you look uh, at um, uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 13, there's things he asked him to bring. Uh, bring with thee the books uh, and especially the parchments. Uh, he also asked for him to bring his coat. Uh, you can imagine uh, it being in a, in a prison cell. Uh, this, was, this, was, this was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. This is not now the temperature when it gets cold. Uh, Paul is expressing the fact that, yes, he had spiritual needs, but he also has physical needs as well. He said, Timothy, I'm depending on you for both of those. Uh, come because I need to see you. Uh, but when you come, I want you to bring some things with you as well. And so he was depending and urging him to come. Now look at the beginning of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And then we're going to give in this, this passage of Scripture, which we're going to look at uh, in detail tonight, but specifically in verse number 2 before we pray, and we're going to give a characteristic to this companion. He says, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Now tonight, I'm going to teach on Timothy, the beloved companion. Timothy, the beloved companion. Paul and Timothy had a relationship that was unique to them. Uh, it is certainly true that all of these companions, uh, Paul, we see... Uh, his, his, one thing that the Lord has just, just shown me through all of this is, is how Paul was very aware of all of those who served with him in ministry. Uh, and every one of them were important to him because they were important to the ministry. Uh, and each one had a unique relationship. And Timothy 
had a unique relationship, and we're going to look at that beloved companion tonight, and we're going to look at Timothy and some characteristics that made him beloved to the Apostle Paul. And uh, certainly these are some things, uh, this will be a, a good lesson for us tonight, but certainly there will be some things that we can apply uh, to our life. And so let's ask the Lord to help us as we look at Timothy, the beloved companion. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Uh, we thank you for the uh, lessons that we see, the uh, characteristics of these characters. And Father, may the Word of God help us tonight. May the Spirit of God uh, instruct us and teach us. And in areas that we are lacking, may uh, we make a point not just to be aware uh, of these areas, but make a point uh, to grow in each of these areas. Uh, Father, we uh, thank you for what you've taught us thus far in these lessons. May you bless our lesson tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Timothy was probably around 16 years old when he became a Christian. He probably became a Christian when uh, Paul visited their home in Lystra. Uh, his mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, had converted to Christ first. The Bible tells us that. And so upon their conversion, it is likely that Timothy uh, trusted Christ as his Savior uh, when he was around 16 years of age. And then at approximately 21 years of age, Timothy accompanied the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey through Asia Minor. Uh, Silas also accompanied them. For the next 16 years, uh, Timothy was closely associated with the Apostle Paul. He would eventually become a leader and perhaps the pastor at the church at Ephesus. While at this church, he received two epistles from Paul, 1st and 2nd Timothy. So we have this young man, Timothy, at 16 years of age. He trusts Christ as his Savior after his mother. His grandmother came to Christ first. Uh, no doubt, Paul visited their home. He trusts Christ as his, his Savior. A few years later, as, a, as, a, as an adult man now, the age of about 21, he leaves with the Apostle Paul on this missionary journey. And over the next 16 years to, to his late 30s, uh, he is serving with the Apostle Paul. You think, think about this just for a moment. Here's a, a lost teenage young man who comes to Christ, and now he has the opportunity to serve with the Apostle Paul. Uh, what a great opportunity he had. And so he is going to learn uh, under the Apostle Paul. He's going to serve with the Apostle Paul. Uh, no doubt, as we look at this historically, and Timothy becoming a pastor himself, uh, how he, con he conducted himself and and no doubt, if, if you can, we can use this terminology, you can see the fingerprints of the Apostle Paul all over him as, as the influence that Paul had on his life. Uh, now, I'm thankful for the influences I've had in my life uh, as far as ministry goes. Uh, but to be under the influence of the Apostle Paul, that, that's pretty good. And uh, he had uh, learned ministry. And so while he is at Ephesus, while at the, at the church at Ephesus, he receives... These two letters, the letter of 1 Timothy, and now the letter from which we've been studying, the, the, the letter of uh, uh, the book 2 Timothy. And so that it gives us some context to their relationship. Timothy would have been in his mid-30s when Paul wrote 2 Timothy. Though Paul refers to him as his son, Timothy was already a seasoned Christian leader. Uh, sometimes because of that relationship and because, because Paul refers to Timothy as his son, uh, sometimes in our mind perhaps we think of him uh, still as a novice, uh, still as a young man. And he was young in the sense of, of a span of a lifetime, but he was not a novice. He was very seasoned from the time that he got saved. And then at 21 years of age, uh, he served and grew under the tutelage of the Apostle Paul. And certainly there were times when Paul faced persecution, Timothy faced the same persecution, or at the very least watched Paul go through that persecution, watched God move in a mighty way. So by the time he's in his 30s and he's here at the church at Ephesus, even though Paul refers to him as his son in the faith, he is not a child. He is not a novice. He in his own right is a seasoned young man. I make that point because uh, it's something that uh, as, we, as we continue to uh, rear those who grow up in the ministry and those who will uh, branch out on their own to be in the ministry, uh, Timothy, even though he was indebted 
to the Apostle Paul. Timothy, as a young man, was still being used by God in what God had for him. Uh, Timothy, having that training, continued to serve the Lord. And it was Paul who wrote to him. He was already that seasoned Christian leader. Timothy could have easily felt at this point in his life he was beyond needing Paul's instruction. I would encourage you at some point, not tonight, at least not while I'm preaching, to go back and read 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is a vital book in the New Testament church. Of course, they're all vital. It's instructions to Timothy on how to pastor, the qualifications of a pastor. Here's Timothy in his mid-30s. Timothy is serving God in his own right, and is doing, God's using him. And here's Paul instructing him, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of some very important things in the book of 1 Timothy. He goes on in the book of 1 Timothy not just to give instructions of here's qualifications of a pastor, but the way the church is to be conducted, including fight the good fight of faith. He's urging Timothy to, to, to stand where he needs to stand. He's giving him instruction, things that he needs to be careful of. Uh, Timothy received this instruction. Uh, he, he didn't have the attitude that he was beyond needing Paul's instruction. Uh, he remained loyal to Paul and appreciated Paul's instructions. For that reason, Paul put great trust in Timothy. Let's think back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. It was Paul's desire to see Timothy before he died. He urged him twice to come to him diligently. He asked him to bring his coat and the parchments and the books that he had left behind. Of all the people that Paul knew and served with, uh, there was one that he said, I need you to come to me. And you think of those that he sent away from him so Timothy could come to him in his last hours. Uh, there was that relationship in uh, the fact that I believe there was a young man who appreciated what God had done in his life through this old man. And then there was an old man who had hopes and dreams in that young man and knew that he could trust that young man to not just meet his needs, but to continue what had been invested in him. I remind you, it's in a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy in the first letter where he talks about how it's a commitment of one faithful man to another faithful man. Certainly, we love periods of history when God is just blessing. And we talk about those old-time revivals, and it's just being handed down and handed down and handed down. But there have been periods in the history of Christianity when it was one faithful man and one faithful man. And it's passing down, and God preserved truth in that regard. And Paul was reminding Timothy, uh, it takes a faithful man to a faithful man. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying, he writes it in 2 Timothy 4, please don't miss this. I'm coming to the end of my life and I have been faithful. Therefore, there's a crown waiting for me. And he's already written in the first letter, Timothy, I think you're that kind of a man. I want you to understand I'm counting on you because after I'm gone... If you don't continue, uh, all of this is going to be hindered. All of this, it's got to go on. The work of the Lord's got to go on. And, and we need to have that mindset again in our Christian homes and in our churches. Uh, Mom and Dad, you've got to learn and then pass that on. Uh, you young people, you have, an, uh, you have a responsibility. Like it or not, if you have the Baptist faith handed to you, you have a responsibility to hold it, to keep it, and to pass it on. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm no Apostle Paul, but I am looking for, I, I intend to be faithful. And I'm looking for others that I can say, I, I need you to be faithful. And I'm going to hand it to you, because when my time is done, the truth is going to go on. The truth can continue on. Uh, and that, that is the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. I, I need you to come to me. I need you to do it diligently. I need to see you. It's going to do me good to see you, but there's some things I need you to bring with me. And they had that unique relationship uh, that he wanted to see. Uh, and that, that, uh, this epistle, uh, 2 Timothy, is more than just warning and instruction. Paul gives us some insight in this letter 
in the beginning, in, in chapter number one, which we'll look at the first six verses in just a moment, I'm going to take these first six verses of chapter one and point out some qualities in Timothy uh, that Paul makes us aware of that will give us some insight into why Paul thought like he thought about Timothy. Certainly, there is a sense of pride, if I can use that word, from the point of Paul, of this is my son in the faith. This is someone I've invested in. Uh, and yet, they're still faithful. Uh, that, that is, it's going to go on. Uh, it's going to continue on. But we're going to see some of those characteristics Paul, we know, was a great man, and we say, well, listening and training underneath the Apostle Paul, what an opportunity. I mean, that's, that's a 100% guarantee. You're going to be a success in ministry. Well, it wasn't the case for Demas, and there was others. But it wasn't just riding the coattails of the Apostle Paul. Timothy actually got what he was being taught by the Apostle Paul. And there were some things that he incorporated into his life. Look at chapter number 1, the book of 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy." When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, uh, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. I want us to notice what Paul tells us about Timothy in these first six verses. Notice he says, uh, he says, I greatly desire to see thee. Now, Paul was at the end of his life. And of all the things he could ask for, he said, Timothy, I greatly desire to see thee. That's the beginning of the letter where we've been looking, focusing at the end of the letter. He says, come diligently. At the beginning of the letter, he says, I greatly desire to see thee. Why is it? Because Timothy's presence would bring comfort. Uh, certainly, when you're at the end of your life, you come to the end of your life and you're in a cold prison cell facing your, your execution. Uh, somewhere along the line, you probably got to wonder, uh, this isn't a retirement plan that I, I thought of. Uh, somewhere you got to wonder, did, 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 was everything worth it? Did I do everything that I should have done? Should, did I fight the battle? Is it worth it? Now, you think of Timothy, I greatly desire to see you. Uh, I think one, just speculation, I think one of the reasons why Paul wanted to see Timothy, he says, I would greatly desire to see you, bring him comfort, and I think it would be a reminder to him, yeah, it was all worth it. Because here is what has been invested in him. Paul wanted to see Timothy. He speaks of a strong desire of the one he had invested so much since he was a teenager. I want the, the young people to, to listen to me. Uh, part of the reason why he wanted to see him, because when he saw him, he saw his life. I, I've spent my life pouring into this man everything I had to pour into him. And when I die, I, my life can live on in this individual. I, I hope that's, and I believe it is, the, 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 the thought process and the hope and dreams of every, every parent. I want to invest in the children that God has given me so they can continue and go on and do right. But certainly as a pastor and the others that serve and Sunday school teachers and the others who, who invest in other people. See, you have to understand, see, I, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I don't have a choice but to keep the faith it doesn't matter what this world throws at me. It doesn't matter what Satan throws at me. I don't have a choice to quit. First of all, I've got a Savior who died for me. But I have people who have now gone on to glory who have invest, poured their life into me. And, 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 and I think more of them than just to take their investment that they've put in me and throw it away. I, I can use this as an example in our own nation. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not ready to usher in socialism. Because there are those in generations be, before me that shed their blood so that we could be free. I think more of their sacrifice than just to look the other way. But there are, there are men who were faithful. There were those who were faithful to teach me the Word of God. I don't have a right. If I quit, 
I say their life was not worth living. And this is why I'm getting a little, a little bit outside track, but I think it's a good reminder for us. Uh, this is why I have little patience. I have some patience, but little patience with those who have every opportunity and every advantage of growing up in a Bible-preaching church like this, and then they embrace some other doctrine. They embrace some other lifestyle. They give up all the standards that they have been taught, and they give up their holiness, and they give all those things up. I have little tolerance of that because what they're saying is, mom and dad's time was wasted with me. In the second job, they worked so I could go to the Christian school. Those hours mean nothing to me. Well, pastor, that's not what they're saying. No, that's exactly what they're saying. And I think part of the reason why Paul said, Timothy, I need to see you, because from the time he was 16 years of age, there was, there was something between them that God had placed there. And when Paul's going on his second missionary journey in 21, uh, Timothy didn't have to say this, say, well, i got to have a backup. i got to have a career, Paul, before I go. He was willing to leave everything to go with the Apostle Paul and serve. And for all that time, the Lord continued to, Paul would pour into him. And you look in 1 Timothy, Paul writes him the letter that instructs them how the qualifications of a pastor, the qualifications of a deacon, how a New Testament church ought to be. He trusts Timothy with that. So having him a desire to see him makes sense because when he's facing his death, it was important to Paul that he see Timothy before he dies. Uh, then he says, be mindful. Notice in... Um, Verse number three, he says, greatly desiring to see, I'm sorry, verse four, great desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. Apparently, Timothy was not afraid to show his emotions. Uh, you say, Pastor, what's the significance of this? Well, Paul is aware of tears that Timothy has shed. And again, I think it sheds light on a couple of things, uh, but the one that I'll point out tonight it's probable that Timothy did not have a Christian father or his father was dead. And so the Apostle Paul filled this void. Even either if his, if his father was dead, he's filling the void of that which a father would have filled and becoming that mentor, becoming that person who instructs him. Or if his father was lost, was not a saved man, Paul filled that void of giving that spiritual instruction, and Timothy now had somebody he could look to. And so Paul was aware of his emotions. He knew him that well. He brings it up in the letter to him. Uh, he was uh, apparently, uh, Timothy was not afraid to show his emotions, but it shows the relationship that they had in the fact that Timothy thought so much about Paul that he was willing to show his emotion. You say, okay, uh, Pastor, that's an interesting fact. Okay, think about this. Who do you cry in front of? I don't know, let me see me cry. But there's somebody you cry in front of. The people you're closest to. So there's a great lesson in their truth there. That he thought so much of Paul that he was willing to let his emotions be shown. Next he says... Uh, that I may be filled with joy. Let this sink in. And I hope, young people, that you'll get some of this tonight because there's a lot of lessons in this for those who've had others invest in them. And all of us have had somebody invest in us. We're, we're a church. We're blessed. We've got generations who have had the privilege of growing up. And so you've got a generation above you who instructs you. His very sight was going to bring joy to the Apostle Paul. He was going to bring the light. Uh, because Paul had invested in him and he was still faithful. He was still true. Uh, I believe one reason Paul was joyful about the thought of him being there is because Timothy never outgrew him. Timothy was willing to show his appreciation for him. Just his very sight that I may be filled with joy. I'd like to be the kind of person that when people see me coming, they get happy about it, not sad about it. Hey, let me make some application. Be the kind of church member that when your pastor sees you coming, he gets a smile on his face, not a frowny face. 
Uh, if we're faithful, that brings joy. Uh, uh, some of you, you've been members here a long time. You've been here long enough to see kids grow up here, dedicate their kids to the Lord. You may or may not have known them very well. You may or may not have been directly involved in instructing them in any way, but it's got to bring some joy to know that you've served the Lord long enough and they've served the Lord long enough, but certainly if there is a relationship, there's got to be some joy in saying, wow, my life had an impact. My life made a point. My life uh, had that investment, the very thought of seeing him. In 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21, Paul writes, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have heard concerning the faith, grace be with thee, amen. And then in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, Paul writes, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is in the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, see, why, why are you pointing that out? Because Paul is still giving him instruction in both letters. Say, Pastor, why, why is that important? It's important because Paul, until he took his last breath, was still investing in somebody else. And for some reason, and he still believed Timothy was going to hear everything he said until he drew his last breath. Well, when, when you have individuals who are willing to live out every second of life that God has given them to invest in the cause of Christ and other people, and then you've got that next generation who's willing to take every single second and let it be poured into them. Uh, well, you've got a special thing there not just in a relationship, but for the cause of Christ. Uh, it, would fi it filled him with joy. Then let's notice uh, verse number 5 of 2 Timothy 1. <clears throat> Paul then writes, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Um, Paul certainly, in that prison cell, had some time to think. He had some time to reflect. He looks ahead, he peeks ahead to that crown that he knew was waiting on him. At the beginning of chapter 4, he, if you remember, recall, he's reminding him that here's some things that are going to happen. And when they do, you, you just do what you're, you preach the word, you do what you're supposed to do. But certainly, he's reflecting back because he's remembering all these ministry companions. And as he thought of Timothy, he begins this letter thinking back to when Timothy trusted Christ as a Savior. Thinking back to when his mother and his grandmother got saved. And how on the list of accomplishments the Lord had allowed him to accomplish, certainly at the top or near the top, was exactly what he mentions right here. I recall your unfeigned faith. And I'm going to expand on that in just a moment. When his mother and his grandmother got saved, and here's a young man, I think he probably thought about when Timothy got saved, and at the time said, oh, here's a young man with nothing but potential. And now all these years later, Timothy is living out his potential under the instruction of the Apostle Paul. Well, isn't it nice to serve in ministry long enough to be able to think back and say, hey, I remember when they got saved. I remember when they were in my Sunday school class. I remember when I picked them up on a bus. I remember when I was part of their ordination. I remember, I remember watching my pastor in the nursery. Uh, I, I remember, uh, I don't think any of you did that, but uh, I remember, isn't it nice that when God allows those things to happen, when you, well, it happens if you just stay faithful long enough. It happens. And certainly, if the Lord tarries His coming, the day is going to come when I'll hopefully be of right mind to pass, pass on what's been passed on to me. Uh, well, you have that relationship. He's thinking, I, mean, I remember when. Uh, if you don't have memories like that, let me encourage you to get involved in the ministry so you can have those uh, ministries, have, have those memories. And no doubt, it was more than just knocking on their door and moving on. He spent time with them. He spent time instructing them. He invested in them. 
He said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Paul obviously had good memories of Timothy. He would often stop to think about him and think of his sincere faith. The the word unfeigned means not counterfeit or hypocritical. Paul, no doubt, was a good reader of people. And Paul understood that there were some who would be with him for a little while as Demas, and Demas left for loving the present world. But no doubt there was something he saw in Timothy. He says, I recall as a young man your unfeigned faith. It was real. When you said, Paul, I want to serve God, you meant you wanted to serve God. Paul, I'm willing to go and be faithful. You meant that. It was a, it was a non-hypocritical. It wasn't counterfeit. It was a real, sincere desire to have faith in God. Boy, would it, would it be wonderful if all those, and again, children, teenagers, young adults, young couples, if that generation, not just in our church, but ac- across the country and around the world, understood what it was to not have that counterfeit faith, There's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of young people, there's a lot of young adults, there's a lot of young couples, there's even a lot of preachers today who they talk a good game. But there's just something that's not real about their willingness to have that faith such as Timothy. It is sincere and honest faith in God, not superficial. Uh, Paul, when he thought of Timothy... He's, he's writing. You know how you, when you write letters, the, the, you, you make this personal thing. He's writing, I remember the thing that stuck out in my mind. This is his last letter, remember? The thing that stuck out in my mind was your sincere faith. No hypocrisy, not superficial. Paul was so impressed with the faith of Timothy that Paul also speaks of Timothy's faith in his, in his epistles to the church at Philippi. Listen to these words, Philippians 2, 19 and 20. Mark the reference. And I'd encourage you to go back and read it again. But Philippians 2, 19 and 22. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy as shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. This is what Paul says about Timothy. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Wow. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Nobody will take care of you like I would take care of you except for Timothy. You know what he's saying? He's saying we think alike. We believe the same. Certainly Timothy and Paul were different, different backgrounds. He's saying there's nobody else that I can think of who thinks more like I think, who, who would minister to you more like I would minister to you. He says, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But he's saying not Timothy. There's that unfeigned faith. Timothy, Paul obviously didn't care anything about his own comfort. He didn't care. He was willing to hazard his life. He was willing to give his life. And he found something in Timothy that had the same kind of faith that he had. Oh, if I can just stop right there. I hope that I have the same kind of faith in me is that generation that has gone before me and already in glory who were willing to fight the battles, to stand, and to do what was necessary to pass on that faith. I may not be asked to do the same things or fight the same exact battles, but I hope I have that same kind of faith. And it's the prayer of this pastor that there's somebody, there's a generation under me that would have that same sincere faith that he saw in him. He said, but ye know the proof of him. You already know what I'm telling you is true. That as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Uh, This is the memory of Paul when it came to Timothy. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and mention this here. Uh, when that generation, and we're about getting to that age, that generation that's uh, you know, before me, they invested in me, I hope when they think of me, they think of unfeigned faith. 
one day this getting older pastor is going to be old. And to God be the glory, I want to be able to look back and see all those that the Lord allowed me to have a part in. I want to think of those who are pastoring somewhere. I want to think of those who are on the mission field. But I want to think of those who have served faithfully at their posts at a door as an usher or standing in a Sunday school class. Just been a good mom and dad rearing their children. But I want to recall good memories. I want to recall the unfeigned faith. I want to recall uh, that's the kind of memory I want to be. I don't think it would be a bad thing for that to be a, a desire of all of us. That that would be uh, what we want to be remembered by. I would, let me say it like this. I'd much rather be remembered as Timothy than Demas. He next says, Which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. I want you to think about this for a while, and I'm quickly running out of time. Timothy was a testimony of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, which had become Christians first. I want to make several comments here. Uh, Timothy, as I've already said, he either did not have a father who he died, or his father was a lost man. But there was not a Christian father in the home, but there was a Christian mother and a Christian grandmother. And the Lord still used Timothy in a great way. There's so many analogies there. If, 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 you'll be, if, 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 a, if a mom by herself, a grandmother by herself, or whoever by herself will be faithful, isn't it amazing how God will bring somebody along to step into that void? Sometimes we see the obstacles of why my situation is different from the typical situation. And in this case, no doubt, here's one who doesn't have a father to teach him the right things. And we've kind of become used to that in our society, but it's not the way God intends it. It's not the way it should be. But God brings the Apostle Paul along at the right time. Can I just encourage whoever needs this tonight, whatever situation is different in your home, in your situation, it, it's not an excuse for you to throw in the towel and say, well, it's just not going to happen for me. God does things like this all the time. But then he acknowledges and is preserved, and of course the Bible tells us that this book is preserved in heaven forever, for all of eternity, the name of a grandmother and a mother who were faithful. What did they ever do? They're just faithful. And Paul, when he thinks of Timothy, he can't help but think of a faithful mother. He can't help but think of a faithful grandmother. And Timothy was a testimony of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. You know, Timothy could have even messed their testimony up if he had not stayed faithful. Again, this... This can, can tag along with what I've already said. I'll use myself as an example again. I don't have a choice but to be faithful. First of all, I have a Savior who died for me. And I, I don't want to pass from this life to the next having not been faithful. Because no matter how faithful we are, when we get in His presence, we're going to wish we had done more. But I have people who have invested in me. You know, it, it's not, it does not cut it for somebody to say, well, my home, I grew up in an independent Baptist home and in a pastor's home, and it was just too harsh. It was just, it was just too, it, there were just some things there that shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been this way, and, and it was just, I mean... I wonder if they have to keep taking their pacifier out and putting it back in when they say that, when they type this. Really? Don't crack a nail on your keyboard. He was faithful, and it added reward to his mother and his grandmother. Paul recalled it to remembrance. Uh, there's an, that's, that's another reason why Timothy endeared himself to Paul. It also reveals Timothy's character. 
he was willing to hold to that which was handed to him. He never outgrew his mom. He never outgrew his grandmother. Now, he didn't live at home in their basement either. I think you get the connotation to what I'm saying. Uh, Paul could think of Grandma Ma got saved, that young man Timothy got saved, and now that man has been faithful, and it has given them a heritage. He talks about that unfeigned faith in thee, which dwelt first in his grandmother Lois and mother Eunice, verse number 5, look at that last phrase, and I am persuaded that in thee also. There's so much in this little passage we're looking at When you look at it from the perspective of Paul writing a letter to Timothy, you bear in mind the age Timothy was when he was saved, the age he was when he traveled with Paul, how long he was, the fact that Paul is pleading for him to come with him. And this unfeigned faith, this sincere, unhypocritical unhypocritical faith that was in him and his grandmother and mother, He says, I'm persuaded that in thee also. Obviously, Timothy's actions spoke very loudly to the point where Paul, the apostle, was convinced of the kind of Christian he was. And again, a lot of this has been geared towards the younger generation. I want to speak very clearly and specifically to you. If you grow up and you're faithful at it, and, you, and, you, and you're still doing the things you ought to do when you hit 18 and graduate, uh, God bless you, I'm proud of you. But that's just the beginning. You, you have to or you don't eat or you got to go get a job and get your own place. Hey, if you're still here and, and you're still do, uh, serving the Lord, you're still doing the things of the Lord, and you're in your 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25... Uh, Thank God there's too many in that generation who are bolting for the, for the world. And there's too many of them, and I thank God that you're here, and I thank God that you're serving. Because we certainly know that a young adult is targeted by Satan in this world. So I commend you, but you're not done. Young, you young couples who, who are here and you're serving and you, and, you're, and you have a desire to rear your children, you're just getting started. You need to finish. You need to, you need to keep going. And Timothy had got far enough in life where he had been faithful and he's now serving in a, in a very great way. But Timothy was genuine in every way. Paul obviously showed confidence in Timothy, and that bears this out. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he, he writes of them, for this, of Timothy, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Well, I can't come there, but Timothy's going to come, and you're going to think it's me talking to you. Because he had been faithful. Then we see... Finally, he says in verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance. So, Timothy, I've been thinking about you. There's some things I remember about you. Now, there's something I want you to remember. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Timothy obviously had some gifts. And Paul encouraged Timothy to stir up the gift of God purposely. Those that have the privilege of growing up in a church like ours, they don't realize what they have. They don't realize the Bible lessons they forget that so many have never even been taught. I'm thankful. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm, I'm thankful that I got to sit underneath Dr. Jack Hiles from the age of 18 to 22 and watch the man pastor. I've had the privilege to, in person, and I know, I know you remember there a long time, more than, more than me, but over 500 times I've been able to hear him in person. But I watched him, 
And there are things that I observed 25 years ago that I've never thought about, and then the Holy Spirit are bringing to my mind that I learned way back then. What there was, there was things that I've used as illustration because there's things that were put in me that sometimes I got to look at and say, okay, what God have you allowed to be put in me? And those that sit in a Bible preaching church, you have a lot put in you. And sometimes we got to stop and realize what we have. Stop and realize what we've heard. Stop and realize what the Lord has allowed to be invested in us. This generation, you, you young people, that the, the children and the teens and even the young adults who, who, who in, in recent years have, have gone through our ministry and now you're establishing your own life. You have been, it has some invested, some lessons invested in you by some of the finest people who walk God's planet. Some of the most faithful people. They're not going to be at the back of the line when we get to heaven. They're going to be at the front of the line. And they're faithful, and they're faithful, and they're faithful, and they're faithful. You don't, in fairness to you, you don't know what you've got. Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, I'm going to be gone soon, Timothy. There's something I need you. I've been thinking about you, and I've been remembering you, and I've been remembering when you got saved. I've been remembering your grandmother and your mother. I want you to remember something. Stir up what God's put in you. I'm not going to be here to stir you up. You're going to have to stir yourself up. You're going to have to, if I can make the application to us, you're going to have to remember, young people, what mom and dad taught you. You're going to have to remember the lessons that you were taught in a Bible class. You're going to have to remember what a Sunday school teacher taught you. That's why teachers, when you have that opportunity, don't squander it. Well, it didn't seem like they remember anything I said. One day they may stir it up. Don't hinge, all oh, this is so valuable. Don't hinge your success or failure by them walking out of your classroom and changing everything about them that you just taught them. One day they'll have the opportunity to stir it up. He said, stir the gift of God purposely. You know what's in there. Obviously, there was a laying on of hands between Paul and Timothy as we symbolize whenever we ordain somebody to ministry. But as an apostle, there were gifts and there was the power of God that Paul had that since that time, God has not given others. The symbolism is the same that we have in, in, in an ordination that we are passing on to that man what God has done for us and what God has allowed us and, we're, and what they are being taught. And something, some advice that I give young men where they go across, the, across town or across the world to serve is you better know, you better know that God is sending you where you're going. You better know that God, you better know what you believe, you better know what your beliefs are on because you're going to be out there without the protection of pastor and everybody else and everybody in this world is coming for you. And you don't need to be able to say, well, pastor sent me here. You better know God sent you there. Because at 2 o'clock in the morning when you're looking at your ceiling saying, what in the world have I done? I may not answer your call. I might be sleeping. But if you can look and you say, I know what's in me. I know what God's done. I know the faith I have. I know what I've been taught. I know what I've been invested in. I know I've made my decisions on that book. I, I know the prayer that's gone into this. He says, you're going to have to stir it up. There's another lesson. I'll just mention it. Paul, obviously, God allowed some gifts to pass from Paul to Timothy. But Timothy had enough humility to receive them. There's a lot of young men, and some of you men who are wanting to be preachers and be in the ministry, listen very carefully to me. Just because you got a diploma on your wall 
and a title in front of your name don't mean you have God's power. You can get a job in a church. You think it's hard? Just look around. Uh, but that doesn't mean you have the power. You need to have the humility that Timothy had in allowing himself to be invested in. I conclude with this. Look back at chapter number four real quick. I remind you of what I've already said. In verse number nine, he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. In verse number 21, he said, Do thy diligence to come before winter. Paul had an emotional need that only Timothy could feel. He was his son in the faith. But he also had physical needs that he trusted Timothy would care for, such as bringing his coat, his books, and his parchments. Timothy was one on whom Paul could rely. He depended on him for that. See, in Timothy, Paul had a lot of faithful friends and followers. We've seen that. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to see some, we're going to look at some of the names that we probably never even pay attention to, but they were, they were faithful enough with Paul that Paul mentions them in his final letter. But Timothy understood the greatness of Paul's faith. As a result, Paul referred to him as his dearly beloved son. I don't think Timothy wanted Paul's mannerisms, his personality, I don't think he wanted all of his, of his habits. He certainly didn't want his thorn in the flesh. But I think what Timothy wanted was Paul's faith, Paul's power. And, and, and don't miss this. Some of you, you young men, and even on, on staff, don't miss this. Because there's, there's, there's a big movement out there by this, another generation that looks at the flaws of men, and all they want to do is criticize and slander, but they miss the power of the man. I hate to break it to all of us. Every man is flawed. But I think what Timothy wanted was his power, was his faith. And sometimes men can't get what they could get from a previous generation, from a spiritual leader that God's placed in their life because they can't look past certain things to get it. Timothy wanted it. As a result, Paul referred to him as his dearly beloved son. The challenge to all of us tonight is I, we think of Paul... And when he comes to the end of his life, he's thinking of Timothy. And if you look at the beginning of the letter, in chapter number one, as we have tonight, in everything that Paul writes, it puts in perspective the end. Now hurry and get to me. Do whatever you got to do to get here. Puts in perspective at the end. Bring my, I, I, need you to, I need you to get here before winter because you got my coat. All he said of him. But I wonder who else he thought of that's not mentioned who he thought of, and he's like, well, I can't call on them. I can't call on them. I can't call on them. But certainly, he could think of Timothy, who had made good on the investment that Paul had made in his life. I, I want to make good on the investment that others have made in my life. I want to make good on the investment of my parents. I want to make good on the investment of the pastors that I've had. Again, my parents. Uh, I want to make good on the investment of every youth worker, every Sunday school teacher, every example. I want to make good on those investments. Uh, I owe my Savior I owe him every day of my life. I owe him every bit of strength. I owe everything I have, I owe him. If you're a Christian tonight and you're, and you're listening to this and you're trying to find a reason to serve God, we should be done. 
Because we have a Savior who paid our sin debt. But God is allowed, and that's why the ministry in a local church is so special. Because God allows us to invest in each other's lives. I've tried to invest in my children's lives. But I can tell you, I'm a very observant person. I'm a very perceptive person. Many of you have taught my children lessons in greater ways than I could even teach them. Because you know how that is. It's just dad. Uh, we have that opportunity. As the pastor, I pray for your children. I enjoy, I enjoy making my rounds and seeing all the children. I enjoy the high fives. Sometimes they're a little wet when I get them, but I enjoy them nevertheless. You know, and I'm, but I'm thankful I'm not the only one that does that. What is it? That's an opportunity to invest in somebody else. But yet we have a responsibility that when those that are invested in us, they look back. I want them to think about, well, I didn't see any benefit in that Sunday school class. But here's fruit that remains. I didn't see any benefit in, I wondered was if I was wasting my time in this ministry or that ministry. But yet, there's fruit. But I, I hope that I can offer that kind of encouragement to, to that older generation, those that have invested in me. Hopefully that all of us, from the youngest to the oldest person in here, thinks of those who have invested in them and say, I've got to stay faithful. I've got to just keep continuing. Uh, because faithful man to faithful man has been passed to me. We assume, the Bible does not tell us, but we just assume that Timothy's mom and grandmother passed away before he did. And so the continuation of their race was certainly in Timothy. We know that Paul dies. The Bible doesn't tell us whether or not Timothy ever got there. Whether he got there or not, we do know this. Timothy had the baton that had been passed from faithful man to faithful man. And Paul didn't have to be there because he now had it. And he was going to be faithful to turn and he was going to be faithful to the hand of somebody else. You say, Pastor, how do you know he was faithful? Because here we sit tonight. Because it has been passed down and passed down and passed down. Let's just determine to be faithful. You don't have to have the best personality to be beloved. You know, anybody, anybody can, in here can be beloved. When you're faithful and somebody who's invested their life in you can see their life was not a waste, you become beloved. You become a favorite. Because the older you get, so I'm told, when you look back, you see your life, and that life, there's more life behind you than ahead of you. What did this life really matter? When I get to heaven, I'm going to see those things that I invested eternally, obviously. But what am I leaving behind? What kind of portfolio am I leaving behind? There's nothing greater you can leave behind for the cause of Christ than your life invested into others. And then when those go on before us, we have a responsibility to keep running our race, keep running our race, so that we can continue the faithfulness of those that have invested in us. I want to do my, I know, I know I keep saying this, but I want to do my best. There's so many of you have invested in me. I want to do my best to be faithful for you, for those that are coming behind me. But there are even those who because of decisions they've made, we don't fellowship anymore. They've changed. I would like to call and have reminiscent of memories 
It's one thing for a younger man to change, but when an older man who's invested in you alters your direction. But you know what? I'm still running my race for them. I'm still want to be faithful in the investment that was put in me. Uh, let's, let's do good on our investment. How many of you are here tonight? Let me see your hand. Okay, that's almost everybody. If you're here tonight, somebody's invested in you. Let's fulfill our running of the race so that we can continue the faith. Father, we thank you for 